Hey, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, licensed mental health counselor and owner of Pittsburgh Therapy. I'm on a mission to strip away the stigmas surrounding therapy and mental health and talk about how we can use the culture of self-improvement for our benefit rather than our demise. I used to think I was doing life all wrong, from getting fired from a dream job to advising clients on relationships while I myself was trying to sort through that dumpster fire. But then I realized my imperfections are what made me a good therapist. So join me on a journey not to be perfect, but to be well, okay-ish. Welcome. Your session has now started. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am actually interviewing Emily and Stephanie from Cycle Chats today. They have this awesome podcast, which is all about destigmatizing what it means to be a woman. And I thought, since Okayish talks about destigmatizing mental health, we should just destigmatize some shit together. So I'm really excited because we had an awesome conversation. I know I learned so much for it. It just brought up so many different things and mental health and women and so many important topics. So I can't wait for you to listen. Thank you so much for being here today, Emily and Stephanie. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm yeah, so excited we, to be here. Uh-huh. I know. It's just fun. I just love talking to people. I guess we're both in, in good professions. So part of why I want to have you on is because OK-ish is all about destigmatizing mental health. And your podcast, Cycle Chats, is all about destigmatizing what it means to be a woman. So like, I figured we could just destigmatize shit together. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. I haven't listened to all of your podcasts because I found you later in the game. So I still have some binging to do, but I have binged a little bit. And I know you talk about like women and mental health a lot. So like, what do you see in talking about like empowering women, what it means to be a woman, like all the things we need to destigmatize around women? Because I feel like what I see, I work with women all the time, right? I work in the field. I want to see like kind of an outside view of what you see in relation to like women and mental health. Steph, you want to go first? You know, I do. I think what's happening is that it is more prevalent for women to experience um, mental health crises. And I think that's just because we've kind of been repressed for such a long time. So taking from personal experience, I talk a lot on our podcast about how I was raised fairly conservative. And so as I became older, a lot of these ideas around mental health were very stigmatized. Like there were certain things we couldn't talk about. And, you know, if you felt this way, you were crazy. And so that I think think what we're seeing now is that shift. So women are now starting to say, well, wait, you know, this is affecting me on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I know what we see presented in the media is often the picture perfect and I'm taking care of my kids and we're picking apples and going to the strawberry fields and, you know, I'm knitting a blanket or whatever it is that people do, you know, and it's, but like, that you have it all together and like a bubble bath is going to fix it. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're seeing a lot right now is that that's not going to cure everything. And sometimes you need to reach out for help to say something is not right here. And if I cannot take care of myself to a, a certain capacity, like especially my mind, I can't take care of a human being. You know, you can't cater to your relationships. You can't, 
cater to your family, your friends, and it starts to become very isolating because you feel like you're part of this club and you're the only person in it. When the truth is there are hundreds of thousands of people who are in it. They're just afraid to talk about it because we get, how many times have you gotten? Well, just think happy your thoughts and just smile, you know, and, and you should be so grateful because people have it worse. Okay. That all may be true, but I'm still struggling and my struggle shouldn't be put down because it should be compared because we're all individuals. So I, I think what we're seeing a lot is women finally coming forward to say, I'm struggling with this X, Y, and Z need help. And we're being a lot more forthcoming about getting therapy, going on medication, mm -hmm. changing our lives for the better, being more authentic to ourselves and learning to set boundaries because I don't think as women were raised to set them. We're raised to be quiet. We're raised to be good and happy and easygoing. And if we throw a fuss, we're considered biatches, you know? So that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm seeing more so now. Well, and I love that. I'm like the anti-self-help therapist because like, or self-care therapist, I should say, because like when people say to me, like, so I went to yoga and did a bubble bath and I, and I still feel anxious. And I'm like, yeah, well, no shit. Because like, those are nice things, but like, it's not going to cure your anxiety. Like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And that's, that is the big one, right? Is like this pill, what you're eating, you know, it's good to take care of yourself, but the truth is it's not even learning how to get rid of and eradicate your anxiety because you're not going to, it's, it's a part of us that is there to help us. It's when it becomes disordered that it's not a help. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm actually going to call you out on that. So anxiety <gasps> disorders are uh -huh. very treatable, very curable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, which I think that people, one thing you said, like made me think of it. And I was like, I have to say this because people don't realize that. And I, I think that with the mental health stigmas, we're kind of like, going back and forth to the extremes. Like there's a huge stigma around mental health. And then the other extreme of everybody has something wrong with them. And it's like, okay, wait a second. Like we, we have to kind of find the middle ground of like, it's true. Like women are like twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression and anxiety than men. Not saying that men don't have it and don't need help for it and don't need support around it and their own specific support. But like, there's just more women who are struggling yeah. with it. And I think that recognizing that like even a woman who maybe, maybe she doesn't have a mental health disorder, maybe she doesn't have an anxiety disorder right. can still experience anxious feelings. And like, how can we handle that too? Yeah, no. And just to clarify, I, cause I am in recovery for an anxiety disorder and panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. And so I'm, I'm working through that. I'm not disordered at the moment, but it, at one point I was unable to leave my house. It was a bit of an agoraphobic situation. So thank you. Yes. For clarifying that because I sometimes have a tendency to speak from personal experience. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more objective instead of subjective. So I appreciate that feedback. Thanks but for yeah, sharing that though. Thanks oh, for of course. that you're going through that. Oh yeah. I'm really open about it. And I think that's just because I don't, you know, I'll be damned if anxiety is going to tell me how to live my life. It can be there. Like I'm, it's totally chill if it wants to like hang out, but I'm going to be in the driver's seat. So I think that's kind of something too, is 
Emily deals with just like normal anxiety. I deal with like major catastrophic thinking when it comes to my anxiety. And all of a sudden it's like, like self-diagnosing, like major mental illnesses. And I'm like, this is it, you know? And it's, and when the panic attack passes, I go, oh, I'm fine. So it's more of a, a physical reaction. And yes, with disorders, you can absolutely heal from them because I would like to think I'm walking, talking proof. I'm still, I find myself still saying I'm in recovery because I have moments where I'm like, ooh, it's pulling me back down. And then I have to use the tools in my toolkit to really kind of work with how I relate to my anxiety these days. Emily's like normal. She has like, she relates to it or she's like, I feel a little icky. I'm like, I feel icky. I must be dying, you know? And then Google and that whole mess I try to stay away from. Well, I can say that Stephanie is currently recording from a place that is not her house. So good for you for working on that. Thanks, yeah. And I'll be performing too. It's my second time performing live in the past two or three years. And I can assure you before I walked out on stage yesterday for rehearsal, I was like, I'm going to vomit. And I was like, well, you have absolutely no choice. You can't run and hide. You have to go do this. And I did. And when I was done, I went, see, you didn't die. So it's just kind of getting back to the original me, but better, like the better version of me. Cause I don't think I was dealing with my mental health quite right. Yeah. And so now I feel like I'm dealing with it better, but I'm also feeling it all for the first time instead of trying to numb it out. So I think yeah. that's the difference. That's amazing. And, and um, Emily, Stephanie said that you have the normal anxiety. So like, what does that mean? And especially if we're talking about like women's mental health, like, what does that mean? So I grew up in a household that was very traditional in a lot of senses, and then also very non-traditional in a lot of senses. So my father more played the female role of mom and my dad played the, or yeah, my, and then my mom played the dad role more so. And I grew up believing that mom and dad wasn't based on gender, but based on the role that you had in the family. So I actually called my mom, dad, and my dad, mom, because I thought that's how it worked for a very long time until actually somebody else told me that I was wrong when I was about eight years old. And I was like, oh, I didn't understand. But my mom still played. Yeah, it was really weird. And since my dad has come out, he came out at 69 he is now living his truth and I'm so proud of him. So he's been out for like almost a year, which is amazing. And clearly my parents got divorced. I always leave (laughs) that part out, but like clearly (laughs) that happened along the way. Uh, But so my mom though was still very traditional in the sense that she wanted to cook and make parties and have family and be perfect, right? And my mom was in the mental health field. She was a drug and alcohol abuse counselor and- She didn't usually take her own advice most of the time. So I grew up kind of just seeing this picture perfect woman of like serving cocktails and drinks. And you would you like a deviled egg? Of course. Like all of these things that we would just do because we were a big family. And then I would also see her manic states, right? Where it would just become like, or I know that you just did your podcast about perfectionism, right? Which mm-hmm. I listened to and loved. And that was hugely important in my household, this idea of perfection and perfectionism. Um, so for me, I grew up with that idea. Oh my gosh, I have to be perfect. I have to do everything. I have to take care of house and home. I have to clean. I have to cook. I should do these things because I'm the woman and and that's 
apparently what I do. That's the role I play. So for me, my anxiety likes to rear its ugly little head when I don't have control of situations. So like Mm. Stephanie and I are very different people. I like to, if I am given a due date for something, I will get that project done three weeks (laughs) in advance. Stephanie is very different. uh, She'll give her a due date and then she gets it done like five minutes before. And that's when my anxiety peaks. When I don't have any control over this project that I've given Stephanie (laughs) and it's five minutes to go. And I'm like, oh my God. I don't know if she's going to do it. I should do it. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go into Canva and I'm going to do it. And which, I'm going to get it done, which I've done before. Which she's done. I, and I, I freak out. Yeah. But, but I will tell you, I have to give credit. Better. And I have to give credit to Emily too, because we were able to sit down and have a conversation. And again, I think this kind of plays into um, mental health and what it means to be a woman with that, right? I had this very disordered anxiety, panic attacks. I also have had OCD since I was younger and Emily didn't quite understand those things. And so there came a time where it all compounded on each other and we really had to sit down and have a, a conversation about it. And I am not the type, I used to be the type of person that would be like, I have anxiety, so you need to accommodate my feelings. <laughs> and and then I started to realize that it was only feeding the monster. Yeah. And so I made the conscious decision to, if I am going to get better and get over my fears, that I also need to relay what I need from the people around me, which is, I need you to hold me accountable. But then also explaining my boundaries to say, I'm not going to accommodate your anxieties. Right. And so her and I were really able to sit down and have a conversation. I remember her saying, do you really want to do this thing? And I like, I was like taken aback at first. Like, what are you talking? Yes, of course. And I said, but we're going to have to lay down some clear stuff here. I'm not going to do things three, four months in advance. She goes, and I don't want to do things the night before. So can I get a week before? And I've, I will say probably like three days before is what's been happening lately, but that's just because when work starts to pick up for me, because I still have a weird schedule and hers is more consistent, I start to tip off. But I also realize that stuff about myself and I try to keep it back on the track. And she's really, really good at sending reminders. And I know that certain things that she does is to help with her anxiety, but it's also like a good thing for both of us. Because in a way, she's holding me accountable for certain things. So, mm-hmm. and then like, likewise, if she's doing too much, I'll be like, take a breath, sit back. And I'll say, it's not a rush. This is no big deal. <laughs> she's like, you are correct. I know. So it's- <laughs> I need a I, reminder I, every once in a while. My husband does it too for me. Yeah, it ha- and it happens to the best of us. And again, because Emily, she is a, I wouldn't say like perfectionist, but- she just wants things, she wants things done. And I have a mom who is very similar. She wanted things done yesterday. And sometimes I have to tell her, you cannot get mad at me if I'm not doing it in your time. And like, I'm always willing to come to a, some sort of an agreement on a middle ground, which is not something I think we're taught to do, right? It's like you were saying about those extremes. It's either one way or it's the complete other way. And so balance is, I don't know the balance is ever taught 
But that's like boundaries. Boundaries was when we talk about this on our podcast, I was never taught that word growing up. And we're all very similar in age. So like it's a very trendy mental health word these days. Yeah, But like such an important word to know and to be able to like tell my nieces who are now growing up in this new world, right? They're eight and 10 years old. I want them to know about boundaries and the boundaries that they need to set for themselves emotionally physically like I think it's super important and I wish I would have that would have been a thing but it wasn't something that we grew up with and something that Steph said uh before me reminded me of like one of my favorite things that Mish said in her episode and I know it's not her quote it's she quoted somebody else but it's like the minute that a woman learns how to please is like a little death or something like that was the quote yeah And it's so true. Like, why is that our job as a woman? Why do we have to perform whatever role society is telling us? Like, the minute we learn how to please is our own little death. Of course it is because we're like, oh, I need to do this again and again and again because it feels so good. But that word perfect and perfectionism is just like, it's deadly. It's comparison. It's just, it's all of these bad things that we just have to deal with as being a woman. And they may not be huge mental health issues, but they are certainly therefore like stepping stones to a bad mental health issue. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting. You guys have said so many good things. It's interesting going back to Emily, what you were saying with your parents and kind of their roles. So I grew up in a family where my mom and dad had very traditional male and female roles. So my mom did all the cooking, all the cleaning, everything. My dad worked and handled the finances and, and my parents, like they're wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful parents. But I even asked my dad the other day, I go, dad, like, would you ever help mom and like get up with her in the middle of the night when we would, you know, when we were babies and would wake up in the middle of the night and he goes, Oh, you didn't really do that. And of course my mom was like, uh, you obviously did that as a baby. (laughs) He just never woke up. But It's interesting because my parents have always said, you know, this works for us and we're totally fine with people having different roles, but this is what works for us. And so, you know, it works for us, but I was taught that, right? Like I, I saw these traditional male, female roles and that even affects me like in my life today, right? When I'm like out dating, I'm like, sorry, I don't, I don't really like to cook. Why am I sorry for that? Like, who cares? I don't really like to cook. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like it kind of like gets in and ingrains in us, even little things like this, Uh, you know, go, go please something like, you know, smile and look pretty and do this, that, and the other thing. It's like crazy how that happens. You said something interesting that I, I kind of wanted to point out. You said it was a very trendy word boundaries. Oh yeah. And I, I cannot even tell you. And I think we're talking about growing up traditional and how we are raised this one way. And then we go the complete opposite as we get older. And then I think sometimes what happens is people like, they just don't, they don't know, again, the balance. So the, the other extreme is that like toxic positivity and everything's a boundary and red flag, all of its red flags. It's not all of all of the things are not red flags. Sometimes like you shouldn't have to compromise your values. Okay. True. But know what your core values are not there is no two people on this earth that are going to be the exact same in every single facet of your life and I think that's really 
I think that's a really key component as women is we have gone the complete opposite way now. And I get where that comes from. It's that need of control. I have to take my life back. I have to be all of the things I wanted to be, but I couldn't be. So I'm not going to take any shit from anyone. And that's it. I've been burned too many times, but I don't know. I don't know that people are able to really differentiate because you're seeing all of this shit, quite frankly, on Instagram. I mean, anybody can post, you know, some motivational phrase and call themselves a mental health guru, but yeah. like you're getting <sighs> wrong information from people. Oh and it, Thank you. It's Thank detrimental. You. Yeah. And like, That's, I, I'm we, very, we, very yeah. selective on who I follow yeah. and the content I consume when it comes to mental health, because people will give you the raw and especially with anxiety. Oh my God. The amount of times people are like, just think a different thought, just tell the thought to stop. I'm like, it's called thought stopping. I have OCD. I can't do that. One of my, one of my compulsions is rumination. So it's like, I can't, my obsession is the thought. My rumination is the, the, my compulsion is the rumination. And I'm like, I can't stop the thought because it'll just make the monster grow. And so it's really frustrating when you see people giving generic mental health advice for everything, because that I think is super dangerous. And so I always encourage people to be very, um, meticulous on who they follow and really looking up the credentials of someone who is giving you mental health advice. Because at the end of the day, we're all sitting here trying to get the algorithm to like us. And how do we do that? We do what's popular, but what's popular isn't always right. Well, and thank you so much for saying that because I was actually just having a conversation with someone the other day about this podcast and, you know, what's your goal and what's your plan in six months, one year, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to educate people. I want to educate people to know what's bullshit and what's not. Um, because unfortunately there's a lot of bullshit out there. And I think the bullshit comes from a really good place and an understanding place, right? Like if, if, if I, as a woman, like grew up in like a very sexist, oppressive, like household and community, of course, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum. You know, of course, I'm going to try to like overcorrect. Um, but we're doing that with some like women things. We're doing that with some mental health things. And, you know, the reason I said boundaries was like a trendy word. Yes, it is a very important word. It's a very important thing. But a lot of the people using the word boundaries don't know what they mean. Like they don't really know what they mean. You know, and I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. So my listeners are probably sick of it, but like, I always talk about gaslighting. Like you can date someone who's an asshole and they're not gaslighting you. Or like, a narcissist. He's a narcissist. Now my friends and I are guilty of sometimes saying this. My one girlfriend that I have, I love her to death. And if she listens to this, she knows it's her, but we, we do sometimes we'll be like, oh my God, he was such a narcissist. And then we started really doing research on it. And we're like, okay, we know the difference of like what that actually means. Because I think if someone's just a jerk to you, and I've said that too, I'm like, you know, sometimes people are just assholes yeah. and they're not a narcissist or a sociopath. And that's, that's kind of dangerous, you know, it's dangerous. the, the Johnny it's dangerous. Depp and Amber Heard trial right now. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed. This is my second time talking about it, but I feel like I'm becoming a lawyer now because I'm learning all these new legal <laughs> phrases. I'm like, oh my God. But what the psychologist took the stand and she's talking about Amber Heard and borderline personality disorder. Well, my fear is, is that people are going to now go, oh my God, BPD for everything. I've, I've met individuals who've had and who have borderline personality disorder. And it's not like you can't, 
just like someone who is maybe a sociopath, you can't put them all into one box nope. because yes, the, the trend, I guess, is that they're evil, bad people. They do mean things, but the truth is there are people who are dealing with it on a daily basis who are just trying to get well enough to be okay with themselves. So uh, it's again, the extremes of mental health. And I think we see it a lot more in women because it's like, oh, she's crazy. She's hysterical. Uh, she's so full of herself. She must be a narcissist. And now I think we're going to start seeing this trend with BPD. And I, I, that's, I hope that people are, are able to educate themselves on what it actually is in this context with the trial. They're trying to, to show that it's, it's gone untreated. It's something mm -hmm. that she is not able to control or whatever the case is they're showing a different side of it because it's a defamation case but for on the, the average woman who is dealing with it, it she's not a monster she's just trying to figure it out so there are, again that balance i think we are seeing a lot of people just putting a label on you know when someone's like oh i'm bipolar or oh my ocd makes me clean i roll my eyes because i'm like i know what ocd actually entails i deal with it um and that if you looked at my room, you wouldn't be like, she has OCD, <laughs> not the stereotype. That's what I think I'm trying to, oh, I'm saying wait, words, all of the words. What I'm trying to say is it's the stereotypes that I, I want us to, as women, get away from that I often think we put on. Well, and how do you two, like on your podcast is all about destigmatizing what it means to be a woman. How do you mm -hmm. two, because I'm going to let you know. So I, in college, I took a women's studies class and the women's <sighs> great. It was, um, interesting. The women's studies professor I had was very, very burn your bra type feminist is kind of what I call her. Yeah. Like she was very much like men are bad. Um, like innately men are bad. Um, innately women are better. Um, you know, like she was just like, she said some wild things. And again, like I, at this point in my life, I hadn't yet been like subjected to people using like these types of words. Like she was the first college professor, the only college professor who said this, but like, I was like a college professor saying this. She basically was like, if you girls in this class shave your vaginas, then like, you're just doing that for men. And like, you're not a feminist. And I was like, oh my gosh, college professor just said that to me. And so that class actually did some like bad things for me because I was like, I don't know if I'm a feminist because this woman's crazy and I don't want to be like her. And so like, how do you, like, how do you guys like, um, find that, find that balance middle ground in destigmatizing without going to the extreme of like, oh, all men are narcissists or all men are bad or this, that, or the other. I think a lot of it, and we were kind of talking about this before, right? Is education is educating yourselves. And I think a big thing that needs to be destigmatized is asking for help, but not only just asking for help, but like, how asking for help is perceived by other people. I was like rewatching Sex in the City a little while ago and they were talking about the self-help section. Uh, Charlotte was going to look for a book and like the women depicted in this self-help section were like 
disheveled and crying. And I was like, why is this the narrative of what asking for help is? This is terrible <laughs> for us. Why can't be asking for help be em- women who are empowered and are business women who just want to get better? Like, I just think that's insane. Uh, so that's something that I really want to work on. But yeah, education is so so unbelievably important. That's why I love to teach my students because I try not to only teach them about theater appreciation. I want to teach them about life and Mm -hmm. content that they're intaking, right? They're this next generation. They're intaking content constantly. I always say, like Stephanie was saying, be careful of the content that you're intaking and the careful of the content that you are putting out there because you are affecting other people and that content can create change and it can be positive and it can be negative. Which way do you want to kind of put the scales. Right. So I think education is, is really important. I also on our podcast, we don't talk about men. Like it just <laughs> never comes up this other sex. I mean, sometimes we do, I, but I like, bring it up. Yeah. I think I bring it up more because for me, I've, I grew up thinking men should never shed a tear. And mm-hmm. I will, I, I can honestly say, I think I've seen my father cry twice. And both were like shocking to me. Like I couldn't believe what I was seeing with my eyes. And I remember my college boyfriend cried. He was having like a moment and he missed his grandparents and he started crying. I remember, and I'm laughing because, you know, uncomfortable laugher, but I remember thinking, oh my God. And like, he wanted me to console him. And I was like, stop doing that. You're freaking me out. Wow. So. I bring up, I think mental health doesn't just, we're talking in terms of just women, but it does affect men. And I think if we were to acknowledge that mental health is not exclusive to one gender, Mm -hmm. we would all be able to see some of these extremes because I, I, that is, I still do think sometimes even in the mental health realm, we uh, you know, I can, again, with this whole trial that's happening is that we oftentimes discredit men because, you know, we think, oh, that stuff can't happen to them, but it can. And I know someone who was abused by his girlfriend and it absolutely affects his current relationship because of how, you know, he functioned and he, he goes into his shell. He hides when stuff starts to bubble to the top and it's, it's a fight or flight thing. And I think we forget that it doesn't just affect women, but because we talk more about it. And I think we are as, as women, we are more able to communicate. We are taught to be more social creatures. We're able to talk about it more. Whereas men, you have to do some sort of like physical activity to get them to open up. I mean, it's weird. Like a lot of my guy friends that just they don't talk like they don't talk about their stuff. And I'm like, why? They're like, oh, because, you know, you got to be the man and put on your shoulders and deal with it. And I just think that creates a lot of divide. So I like to bring up the male aspect from time to time because it is important for there are a few guys that listen to our podcast to know that feminism, especially in my eyes, feminism doesn't mean all men are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that, you know, we're trying to find equal footing on being human beings. 
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did because we're actually going to talk again next week because Emily, Stephanie, and I couldn't stop chatting about all things mental health and women. So stay tuned next week. We're going to chat a little bit more about social media and mental health, toxic positivity, the, you know, the competition between women. And we're going to, you know, do some couch confessionals from them too. So stay tuned and I'll see you then. Please follow me wherever you're listening to this podcast and on Instagram at okishpodcast. Also, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. The best way to get in contact with me is to go to okishpodcast.com and submit a comment, question. You can do it anonymously too, which is so great. I will see you guys next Monday. I can't wait.